I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the fastest growing championship podcast in the world, as far as I'm aware it is anyway. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the bog standard championship referee to my Howard Webb. It's Justin Peach. I'm presuming you're not talking about the excellent officiating this weekend. There has been some fantastic officiating this weekend. Great decisions. And I would never doubt the brilliance of the championship referees. And consistency. And consistency. But we'll get onto that in a sec. First of all, Justin, how have you been? I'm good. It's been a whirlwind week. You've got a new dog. Got a new dog. Yes. What's his name? Casper. Named uh, after the Great Dane Casper Ankergren. I think a lot of people are expecting Casper Schmeichel then. But uh, you, you threw them a curveball. Yes, an underrated goalkeeper, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Mainly unfairly known for that mistake in the Birmingham derby. But otherwise... That's Peter Enkelman. You're getting your Scandinavians all all mixed up. I could have swore that was him. No, no, no. no. Anker can play for Brighton, didn't he? And Leeds, yeah. Oh, OK, right, OK. Fair enough. I stand corrected. Let's crack on, Justin. It has been an interesting <laughs> week in the Championship. Two massive games, may I say. Actually, three massive games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get on to the first one. Fulham 2. Leeds won. Mm-hmm. Josh and Omar with the winner. Massive result for Fulham. Maybe slightly overshadowed by one of the worst penalty decisions yeah. I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> First of all, what are your thoughts on that? On the penalty? Yeah. Now, I'm going to say flat out that it's not a penalty. However, Ben White does have both no, his hands. No, no. I know what you're going to say. He does have his hands on yeah, yeah, yeah. whoever it is. I can't even remember who it was. Bobby Reid, But that does not excuse it whatsoever. No, You're no, going to no. get Leeds fans riled up. No, 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 no. And they'll oh, right, come, right. come at us in droves. I'm going to justify it, right? Okay. Justify what? The decision? No, no, not the decision. Oh, I was going to say. Or maybe. Anyway, Ben White had both his hands in, his, in Bobby Reid's back. Okay. At no point do I think it was a foul. However, Ben White has to be a bit smarter in that situation purely because of the thickness of officials this season in giving decisions because it's not a penalty officials are getting worse and worse and worse you're and blaming stupider. ben white i'm not blaming i'm not blaming you just ben did white. no but the, the officiating this year has been terrible so i thought maybe players might have wised up to it no we, we because saw, that means otherwise players just can't lift their hands in the box and touch another player no we saw what you're we, we saw earlier in the season when um, the referee for Derby West Brom. I, I loot that game quite a lot because of how bad the officiating, officiating was in that game. But Cocker came out and said, "Don't do anything stupid. The ref's going to give a penalty at some point at half time." And what happens? The ref gives a penalty to West Brom in the second half for a, a non-contactless 
foul. That's the standard of officiating this season. That should be the brief for every team, every game. Don't do anything. Yes. Okay. Don't do anything. Don't touch anybody. Don't breathe. Oh, it's a penalty. If you breathe. I mean, I keep going back to the Millwall Leeds one. Yeah. In the season, which exactly was that worse than this one? Mm, potentially, I'd say yes. That one, that, was, that one, shocking. that one happened quite quick. Whereas this one, it was a ball in the air, so it happened quite slowly. So I saw a few Leeds fans thinking it was actually for handball, but that would be even worse because it didn't go near anyone's hands. But either way, it's a shocking decision. Yes. The officiating this season, as we've said many a times, has been shocking. Yeah, awful. There needs to be something done about it. VAR, maybe. Maybe. It's not been the greatest success in the Premier League, but that's for a debate for another day. Let's talk about Fulham, because it wasn't even <coughs> a particularly good performance by the Cottages. No. They only had three shots that weren't mm-hmm. blocked. However, as we say, it's a big three points for them, especially considering their recent results. Um, I'm not sure I can see them catching up with the top two, but with a bit more consistency... They could certainly give it a bloody good go, couldn't they? Well, the key word there is consistency, which is something that they haven't managed all season. I know they've had games where they've, oh, sorry, <clears throat> um, games where they've won four, four on the trot, but and then they lose, and then they go on a run of losing. It's been a frustrating season for Fulham, and the biggest bit of criticism I can I can give them is this lead side is everything the Fulham team should be, especially out of possession. The, the way um, I mean, it sounds like I'm complimenting Leeds, but the way Leeds managed to turn over Fulham, a Fulham side who are arguably one of the better teams in the league of keeping the ball, they had 35 percent possession, yeah, which is strange for a Fulham side, um, and that just tells you how uh, Leeds are without the ball. That's what Fulham should be doing, and if they were, perhaps they have a bit more consistency. They win a few more games. They draw games that they shouldn't. Uh, that, 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 that they'd lose um, so that's the, the sort of the biggest take I took from this game because it, uh, result wise I think it's a bit of a one off yeah I'd agree with that it was a bit <coughs> I don't want to say fluky but you get where I'm going yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh and Omar as I say got the winner he's a bit of a forgotten man isn't yeah. he really yeah. uh, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing at Spurs a few years ago but it's never really taken off for him too many loan spells maybe uh, but it would be good for him to you know settle down at somewhere maybe like yeah, Fulham yeah. and kickstart his career again so mm-hmm. good luck to him let's talk quickly about Leeds because Daniel on Twitter says uh, Leeds severely <coughs> lack creative edge without Pablo Hernandez hope it's not too serious uh, it's after he went off after three minutes Yeah, and it doesn't look too serious it looks like he'll miss the Boxing Day game uh, against Preston just wanted Christmas off didn't he yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> uh, but looking at this game, it was going back to Leeds, struggling to put away chances. Well, they yeah. absolutely dominated this game. It, was, it wasn't it was particularly one-sided, um, but they were the better side. Um, and they had a few good chances, but it's just putting the ball over the back of net, isn't it? Well, we've been saying it all season. I don't think Hernandez, losing Hernandez is the be-all and end-all for Leeds. It's a big blow because of how, how, how much extra he gives them in the final third, but the system Leeds have is the, the biggest output for them. They can have anyone in that team, but as long as they're playing that system, they'll still create chances. And they did that against Fulham. 
Yeah. As you say, it was just putting traps away. Well, they've done it many a time this season, haven't they? And usually they get away with it eventually because one eventually goes yeah. in because they create so many chances. On this case, it wasn't to be. Uh, no need to panic, though. No. It's, their, no, no. it's their first loss in 12 games, mm-hmm. which is an unbelievable record, by the way. And we expect Leeds to do well. Mm-hmm. And that just shows that they are doing well. Yeah. So fair play to them. Yeah. Yeah. West Brom won. Brentford won. Henrik Dalsgaard and Darnell Furlong with the goals. Two right backs scoring. Nearly exactly the same goal. Sickening, isn't it? It was very weird. Uh, Mark, who's a West Brom fan on Twitter, says Brentford by far and away the best team we've played this season. Ross, who's also a West Brom fan on Twitter, says Brentford were by far the best team I've seen at the Hawthorns so far this season. Mitch on Twitter says he doesn't think there are too many teams better than Brentford. It's safe to say Brentford have really impressed the Albion fans. Yeah, clearly. Um, I think on another day, Brentford might have might have nicked the win. To be honest with you, the, the, attack, you know, the attacking quality of both the teams and you know, both your right backs score from set pieces is a bit, mm. bit of a strange one, but but fair enough. And I, I, the reason why I say Brentford might have been unlucky is because they should have had a penalty. Yes. <laughs> t- t- tell me about that. What do you think? Well, Carl Bartley going that far down to the ground and getting a shoulder on it seems unlikely. It's hit his arm, and from that breakaway, West Brom have got the corner that they've scored from. Thomas Frank highlighted it in his post-match presser you know they can potentially go into that 2-0 up um, and in the end West Brom equalised from the resulting corner it's a penalty all day long I'm not sure why the ref hasn't given it he's really close to it the linesman's in line with it it's just another highlight of terrible officiating that we're going to that's that's going to be a common theme in this this podcast yeah say so I probably agree with that uh, moving away from this game actually just last point on this uh, game from the Brentford perspective is I do I do think it's a good point for both sides really yeah because Brentford hot form West Brom not in as hot form but probably the best team in the league point seems fair really doesn't mm-hmm. it uh, talking about Brentford though I think they had a slow start to the season didn't they yeah. I think everyone can agree on that mainly because they were betting in the new signings because yeah, yeah. they made a lot of new signings in the summer <coughs> had to bed them in. Yeah, but I'm convinced if they hadn't have had that slow start, then we'd be talking about a top three in the championship this no, season, definitely, yeah. as opposed to a top two. Because Brentford do look like a side above the teams that they're around. Oh yeah, um, they've got so much talent in all areas of this squad, and if anyone's going to catch up with Leeds and West Brom, it's going to be Brentford. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, I wouldn't bet against it happening either. It's hard to see the other two dropping many points, but the way they're playing, they will be ready to pounce on Leeds and West Brom if they do slip up. Whether it happens, I'm not too sure, because as I say, they are two very good teams who won't drop many points. But Brentford are also a very good team. I think the playoffs, they they will go into it as the favourite if... They're definitely going to get top six this season, as far as I'm concerned. And if they don't go up automatically, playoffs nailed on for them. We'll quickly touch on West Brom because it wasn't a great performance from them. No. They never really got going and struggled to create too much, really, didn't they? Um, we've said it a couple of times this season with West Brom. Uh, I think it's just one of those one of those games. You know, you come up, come up against a Brentford team who are relentless in their attacking ability. Every time they go forward, it's like squeaky bum time for opposition because because of how well they attack um, so it's hard to get into into your game plan um, but I think coming away from it West Brom will be happy with a draw and I think Brentford won't be too disheartened with 
um, getting a point at the Hawthorns. Yeah, absolutely. It is still just one loss this season for Slavin Bilic's yeah. men. And we haven't really given him too much praise because he's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? He's been helped out with the business they've done. But you've still got to put it into place. And he's done a fantastic job. Yeah. And we should probably actually give him some well, praise for once. Yeah, I mean, when you put it into a bit, of, a bit more perspective, going towards the end of the transfer window in the summer, the West Brom side was looking pretty iffy. You know, they they were they didn't have a Charlie Austin. They were without Pereira. Dean Garner came in late late in the window. Um, so to 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 get the new signings bedded in quite quickly, to get his side of play going, to get the best out of those players, he's done a very good job. And one defeat away at Leeds is a very very good um, return. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sunday afternoon we had the game between the two top six challengers at Sheffield Wednesday. Bristol City it finished 1-0 after Barry Barron mm-hmm. scored a late penalty. Really, Chef Wednesday probably should have scored earlier. They had a hatful of chances. Yep. Bristol City had a couple of chances as well, but really, Wednesday deserved the three points yeah. here. And that puts them in pole position, really, for a playoff place because there are, we always say, the top six at the moment. It's so tight around mm-hmm. there. Chef Wednesday, though. I'm getting more and more confident that they will be there at the end of the season. You said you fancied Bristol City to be there in, at the end of the season as well. Do you think both these teams will be in the playoffs? Uh, it, it's really hard to, to judge because of how incons- how consistently inconsistent anyone challenging for a top six place have been. Consistently inconsistent. Okay. It's almost consistently shit, basically. Okay, fair enough. Um, in the nicest possible way. Mm. You know, teams aren't putting together runs. There, there's usually a there's usually a, a few teams competing for the automatics. There's just two at the moment. Obviously, Brentford are challenging. Um, so I think anyone down to twelfth can finish in the playoffs. That's my remit now. But there are some who are more realistic. But yeah, potentially than others, aren't they? And you've got to say, <clears throat> Chef Wednesday are definitely in the top four most likely performance wise yes but then there's a cloud over Chef Wednesday at the moment with the the stadium business mm. we have no idea how that's going to pan out it could pan out in a, the same way it happened with Birmingham last season with the points deduction we don't know so that that could affect that so that, as I say there are, there are a lot of teams competing Bristol City are one of them Sheffield Wednesday performance wise are one of them I'm liking Chef Wednesday more and more though no absolutely I, since Gary Monk's Come in, he's he's been absolutely superb. He's he's he's, he's carried on the good work that um, Lee Bullen put in at the start of the season. He's made them a lot better tactically. They're they're very fluid. They adopt to to other teams and how other teams play, um, and they and they grind out games. I completely forgot Lee Bullen was in charge at the start yeah, of the season. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> a very long time ago. That does. Um, one <clears throat> last point we'll make on this game was the penalty. Hmm. We questioned it, and not the first dodgy decision, as you may have heard yes. so far in this uh, episode. What did you make of this one? Well, Noyo is a big guy, isn't mm. he? He's big limbs. Very, he's a very big guy, um, and there looked like there was a bit of contact with the feet, but I'm not convinced at all that it was a penalty. I don't think there was enough contact to justify Noyo going down and therefore giving a penalty, and the worst thing is the referee looks so cocksure of himself at giving it. Um, I'd, it it's flabbergasting at the moment. We, there are more decisions to go over. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, 
just one final point I want to make. The team that Bristol City put out mm-hmm. was a bit more robust than what they usually put out. He played three at the back and then you've got a very uh, physical midfield mm-hmm. of a, you know, Brownhill, Smith, Rowe. Yeah. It's uh, very much not too much technical ability. Industrial. Yeah, it's more industrial than technical mm-hmm. ability, I should say. Um, and it seemed like that's what Lee Johnson was going for. It nearly paid off because, of course, it was only a dodgy penalty in the last uh, few minutes that cost him. But could that be perceived as a bit negative, maybe? Well, you're going away at Hillsborough. The amount of chances Chef Wednesday make um, create... Sorry, at this, like they uh, did in this game. Exactly. The amount of chances they create... And the amount, the ability they have in midfield, you know, you're looking at Barry Bannon, who's one of the best ball players in midf- um, midfield ball players in the championship. Mm. I tell you what, one of the passes he played. Oh, yes, yeah, exa- exactly. Gorgeous. It just highlights the quality in there. And Chef Wednesday, one of those teams that they 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 again very industrious. They go all day, and you've got to match that. Mm-hmm. They're third in the table now. Chef Wednesday, two points safe in the top six. So <laughs> that, that's how we're going to be describing the top six now. Well, it's so tight; it's absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> I mean, just looking at it now, there is just seven points separating third and fourteenth. It's absolutely unbelievable. We might put out a question later this week to see if who people think will get in the top six. It's really hard to. We need to... some closure on this. It's really hard to pinpoint. We're not, we're not going to get it until May. No, no. I mean, we've made our predictions. Maybe we'll make another prediction. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe. around the new year. We'll, we'll spoil someone's season. Yeah, of course. At Reading 3, Derby nil. The Rams thumped after having a man <coughs> sent off four minutes into this game. Uh, we'll talk about that decision in a sec. But weirdly, it seems like the <coughs> consensus is that Derby weren't actually too bad there. Uh, you were there. I was. What did you think? Um... Without being harsh on Reading, I don't think if the, if the teams were even, I don't think Reading would have come out with three points. Um, I thought, as you say, Derby created a hell of a lot of chances. Reading didn't really muster too much throughout the game. I was quietly disappointed with Ajaria. Mm. Um, he took up a lot of positions on the left flank, trying to stretch the game. Fair enough, but I think when you're playing against ten men, players like him need to be more involved centrally. Um, whether that's drifting inside and having an impact that way, I expected a bit more. He was he was clever at times, but I just thought they could have done more. And other than the two penalties, you know, there was one opportunity they created, and that was the the the, the Zhao goal, and that came from a Derby mistake. So, not overly impressed with Reading, but more impressed with Derby. As I say, they looked a lot better going forward, but there are still lapses in concentration that have cost them three goals. All three goals could have been avoided. Well, you're pretty much saying the same that every Derby fan is saying. The defence is getting pelters. But it's not the defence's fault, I'm afraid. Because I say this again. (laughs) Derby's attack is what's letting them down at the moment. Mm -hmm. And they're not getting enough stick for it. Because no, 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 not. They've, they've got three goals in Derby's last eight games. Mm-hmm. It, That's it shocking. Poor. It is poor. You know, Wagon had a one and one. Keeper made a good save. It's worth saying as well, Rafael Cabral was superb yesterday. It was, he's a good keeper. He's a very good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely superb yesterday. And so was um, Yaku Mete. He was, he was yeah. unplayable. I think uh, Rafael Cabral is someone we don't actually give enough praise mm-hmm. to. But um, just going back to this game. Yeah. 
Um, sure, there's a fair argument that the service isn't there, but Derby had so many chances yesterday. Yeah, couldn't put the bugger in the back of the net. Yeah, and it's not the first time we've said that this season no. as well. It's got to be said. So while the service is a problem and needs to be something addressed in January, they need to have goal scorers in the team because they have got three strikers, three who are relatively experienced Championship players. Marriott maybe not as much, yeah. but. They are three strikers who you'd expect to be doing a lot better than they actually are. Well, not just the strikers. Looking at Tom Lawrence and Dwayne Holmes. Dwayne Holmes isn't as prolific as other midfielders, but Tom Lawrence has the ability. It took him 60 minutes to have a, a go at the, the defenders. I know he hit the post in the first half, but Derby's main attacking threat was Jason Knight, who's an 18-year-old midfielder. He, know, he's somebody who deserves praise, actually. He's absolutely. been really good since he's come in mm-hmm. and the rest of the team around him let him down a bit really absolutely he runs his socks off as well he has really impressed me mm-hmm. since he's coming to the side uh, final point Derby got eight cards in this game uh, again the referee some of them were questionable because there were times the referee like Craig Forsyth should have been sent off that was a red card okay um, what about Malone's red card Um, I don't think it was a red card I think it was a yellow I do think it was a penalty mm. you know we had a chat in our whatsapp group about it and I changed my mind about three times but I think it was a penalty um, he's put both his hands on the defender's back again referees are going to give it because they're a bit stupid well, you're just asking you're asking too many questions from referees who are willy nilly with penalties at the moment um, I think it was a, a penalty it's not a red card because he's looks like he's got a toe on the ball yeah, yeah. but the Forsyth one Christ alive he nearly killed Miete yeah we, we need to move on so um, just calm down alright it, just it, it seems like eight cards to me. <clears throat> sounds like Derby lost their heads. But uh, I'll move on because you need to chill, all right? Reading, Please. we need to give some praise to. Yes. Because on the spin side, even though Derby did create a lot of chances and they looked a bit vulnerable defensively, did Reading, um, especially when Derby were down to 10 men. Mm-hmm. It's Let's be positive because it is a good result for Mark Bowen, isn't it? This? Yeah. Confidence-wise, confidence-wise, it's going to... Give them the the world of good, you know. They've got Ajaria, who's you know they were confident enough to showboat yesterday, which probably explains some of the other cards. What Ajaria showboat? Uh, you know, you wouldn't put that together, would you? No. Uh, John Swift as well was getting involved, and it's good to see him come back out, um, get back onto the pitch. But there, there were players yesterday that impressed me that I completely forgot about. Tyler Blackett was yeah. was really good, functional at left back. Chris Gunter, I know Andy Eardham's been Reading's one of Reading's best players this season, but Chris Gunter came in did very well um, so there are a lot of players there that are to, to finish high up the table they need to do need to be doing a lot more but that's you know it's good steps again Lucas Shaw, who for quite a lot of the season has been fairly quiet like, looked unplayable again yesterday and as I was saying Yakumiete was unbelievable the yak yeah it's good to see John Swift back as you say big plus for Reading yeah um, wouldn't surprise me if someone was interested in, in, in him in January mm. because Providing he's passed his injury problems. Is Ajari on loan? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I was convinced he was on a permanent, but. No, no. He, it, the way he's playing this season, you've got to think there might be a few Premier League clubs interested Maybe. in him, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's go to Hull, where it finished 3 0 against Birmingham, Tom Eaves and Kamal Grisicki amongst the goals. Birmingham were really, really poor here. Yes. Definitely. Um, Hull could have had at least five goals in this game. Um, really shocking performance from them. And it is now one win in nine games. Four <coughs> wins. And the fans have turned. 
Loads of them are now calling for Pep Clotet to be sacked. What do you think? I mean, we said it the other week, I, I, I disagree with any discontent with sackings. You know, the, the Birmingham team lacks depth and balance where it needs it. You know, you're looking at the forward lineup. They didn't replace Shea Adams. I know they brought in Jimenez, but he's nowhere near the same player as Adams. You know, they've brought in other players that have that have done well, but that's left gaps in other areas of the pitch. You know, put that together with a fairly unsettled summer, you know, Gary Monk leaving, Clotet coming in under a cloud because of the, the role he was in, you know, we didn't know if it was permanent or temporary. It it needs a season. They need they need a couple of transfer windows to get to get players into into the club, you know, you, they've got to strengthen key positions, possibly in January with a couple of loans, especially defensively. You know, you're looking at you know, an experienced player like Harley Dean getting done by um, Keen Lewis Potter yesterday. You don't expect that. I expect a lot more in that situation from him. That just highlights the, the lack of depth that they have because there's no one to come in to, to come in for Mark Roberts. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he should be sacked. There's a lot that needs addressing at Birmingham and it's not the manager. Yeah, one win in nine games for Blues is not great, obviously. Uh, and we have defended Clotet loads this season mm-hmm. and I agree with you, actually. I think he deserves more time. Um, I don't know what Blues fans were expecting this season because they are still you know, mid-table, not in any danger of going down. And yeah. The playoffs were never going to happen this season. No, no, no. Let's be honest. They, they haven't got enough talent in this squad to be challenging for the playoffs when you look at the teams around the playoffs as well so sure the performances haven't been great recently but there are also some winnable games coming up and just final point on this situation I don't know who the fans expect to replace Clotet mm-hmm. if he were to be sacked because I've seen a few calling for Chris Hewton <laughs> seriously get a grip that is not happening he turned down Watford last earlier this month sorry why would he go to Blues it doesn't make any sense to me. He's going to get a Premier League job. If he doesn't get a Premier League job, it's going to be a top championship job. Yeah. He's not going to Blues, especially with the owner at the moment who is a bit unpredictable, to say the very least. <laughs> Chris Hewton's not happening. Stick with Clotet. Have a bit more patience. Go again next season. Absolutely. Hall. And uh, Whittingham on Twitter says, Hull were solid today in all departments. If we keep this home form up, we'll be there or thereabouts. What he means by there or thereabouts, I don't know. But do you agree with him that they'll be there or thereabouts? I mean, everyone's there or thereabouts. Yeah. But can they be there or thereabouts? That's true. Maybe. That is true. Can they be there or thereabouts? Um I presume he means the playoffs. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, what do you think? Because I think I've asked you this question in the last two episodes. Yeah. Has your mind changed during that time? I don't think so. I think they're probably a little bit too inconsistent. I know that they rely a lot on Jared Bowen. However, you know, it was refreshing to see different scorers um, in a 3 0 win. You know, you expect, as soon as you see the 3 0 scoreline come in, you expect Bowen to get a couple. Wasn't the case. Other players have chipped in. That's great. For Hull to be anywhere near the playoffs, they need to improve certain areas of the pitch. Again, I know Tommy scored yesterday, but I don't think he's the answer going forward. I think they need someone more prolific and more involved um, in the overall build-up build up of play. Um, so, you know, on that basis, I just I don't think Hull have got enough to finish in the playoffs. They, they can be there or thereabouts, 
but that's finishing some way off. It's a mid-table season for Hull, I think. Justin, I'm going to disagree with you. All right. I'm not saying playoffs. Let's just make that clear. They have a chance of getting in the playoffs. But I think we might have been underrating Hull this season. Possibly. Their performances... I've been looking at the underlying data and Hull have actually been quite good. A lot better than we give them credit for, actually. And maybe we need to be a bit more on the Hull bandwagon. Optimistic. Yeah. We need to be a bit more... Maybe give them a bit more praise. Give Rand McCann a bit more praise because we've not giving him too much praise this season hmm. but I think actually he's done a pretty good job because we were thinking who could be in a relegation zone this uh, relegation zone relegation battle this season <coughs> now four points off the playoffs I think they could definitely finish I think they definitely will finish in top half yeah, playoffs yeah. they've got a chance if they keep Jared Bowen maybe add a bit more to the forward line because they have created a few chances this season they could do with somebody putting away those chances then I don't see why not. We say a lot of teams can get in the playoffs. There's only so many places in the playoffs. But Hull are an underrated side. People listen to this and say, "Mm, not sure you're right there. But honestly, don't be surprised if Hull are in and around there by the end of the season. I I don't disagree with that. Um, I said anyone down to 12th has a chance of finishing the playoffs. Hull are in that category. You know, I'd say Hull have a better chance than most in that in that category, though. Perhaps they do, um, but I need to see more from other players in the team. You know, for that, you know, you're looking at again. Tom Eaves has, has, has got to contribute more. You know, I know he's important to some extent, but I just I don't with with a, a striker like him who isn't as prolific. I just can't see a team finishing in the playoffs. I know they've got Jared Bowen. Grzycki has been fairly inconsistent recently yeah we, it all depends on January really doesn't exactly. it there are so exactly. many teams who need to strengthen in certain areas mm-hmm. in January Hall if they make the right decisions will be up there by the end of the season uh, final point Keen Lewis Potter there again he's to- proving to be keen when it comes to scoring goals uh, that, yeah <laughs> two this season now I mean, I, I, his goal last week was great getting above a defender who's almost twice his size um, his goal was good as but well the, the, he took his goal well as I was saying earlier on in the, the um, on this game is he, he's made Harley Dean look like a yeah. very slow average centre back and he maybe is slightly better than that but is he's what 17-18 doing 18, that yeah. it's, it's, it's confidence that's yeah. good to see it's very good to see Let's go to the den, where it was Millwall 1, Barnsley 2. Patrick Schmidt with a 94th minute winner. Barnsley are off the bottom. Three wins in five now. And we keep doubting them, Justin. They're now 22nd in the table. Are you starting to believe that Barnsley can stay up? The lofty heights are 22nd. Nosebleed. I think the, the... Potentially, my thoughts have changed. I still think they need a few more players in there because, you know... A bit more experience. Yeah, the you saying, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it could be the much fabled manager, new manager bounce um, having the impact. But nevertheless, it's a huge result for Barnsley and a fully deserved win for them. Um, and, it, you know, a really good performance. It created so many chances. Um, and if they maintain that 
ability to do it, to sustain that, then you know, getting out of the relegation zone is a given. Well, we were saying a few weeks ago they're dead and buried. It was early in the season to say that, but the way they were playing... But they were poor. They were really poor, and it didn't look like they had much chance, but you'd be foolish to say that now, wouldn't you? Because they have completely turned it around. I mean, fair play to uh, Struber, mm-hmm. the new manager. Um, we're praising Connor Chaplin again. Mm-hmm. Six goals in five games now. He's, he's, he's come out of nowhere, hasn't he, really? He's... Yeah. I mean, he, we knew, when he joined, I thought... Okay, that's an interesting signing because he's a very good player in League One last season for Coventry. He came in here with no experience in the Championship before. Yeah, didn't think he'd. I thought it might take him a season or two to really adapt mm-hmm. to the league. But now he's playing absolutely brilliantly, and surely I don't want to, you know, annoy only Barnsley fans when I say this. Other clubs in the Championship must be looking at him and thinking, Ooh, "Okay, let's keep an eye on this because he's twenty-two as well." I mean, he's older than I thought he was. I thought he was younger. But I think Chap- the way Chapman's playing is, is down to how Struber's tweet the formation and tweet personnel. You know, he's playing Corley Woodrow, Woodrow uh, in behind the strikers, which is interesting to say. He's playing your top scorer a bit deeper. But, you know, for example, yesterday he played both Jacob Brown and Connor Chaplin as a forward too. They're naturally wide players, so naturally they're going to, you know, take up a lot of wide wide positions which is going to free Woodrow up um, in the middle and I think that sort of um, obviously system is paying dividends because you know Jacob Brown got the assist for Chaplin's first um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why they're, they're, they're getting better you know three wins in five it's it's huge given that teams around them or above them have picked up points mm. It's got to be said the table is starting to look a bit yeah. interesting at the bottom mm-hmm. because you have got four and four at the bottom of the table and they're starting to be cut adrift a bit because Middlesbrough picked up Huddersfield have picked up we did actually forecast this mm-hmm. happening not too long ago yeah. but then it kind of stopped looking like it was going to happen but now mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to happen again if Stoke don't pick up then it's going to be very very interesting because we keep thinking Stoke will pick up but it hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet we'll talk about them in a sec Millwall really this is a game they should be winning isn't it without a doubt I mean Barnsley have obviously got better but considering how well Noel have been playing unbeaten in seven before this game created so many chances in this game most of them through Jed Wallace they have got to do a lot better haven't they yeah it's probably just one of those games where they're not quite at the races I know Alex Pierce, who's been in the team recently he was he was out and so was Murray Wallace that's not going to help defensively both the goals they conceded were defensively very poor not like Millwall um, but as I was saying, just not at the races, as you said, still created plenty. You know, mm. they had ten shots, but eight of them were blocked. So it tells me they were snatching a bit, you know, a bit of a, a lack of composure, um, perhaps. But as I say, you know, losing losing two of your, you know, back four is is pretty significant. Yeah, I will say this will be another thing that's a bit of a theme in uh, this episode. Millwall needs to strengthen going forwards this season. Oh yeah, yeah, they rely on Wallace so much he's the only one who creates anything yeah. and if they lose him in January they I, I fear a bit for Millwall obviously not in terms of going down no, they're, no, no. they're miles ahead of performance wise yeah I, yeah in <coughs> terms of performance wise and what that means for them in the future yeah. because they need to keep hold of Wallace and make sure 
they add a bit more creativity into that midfield. Uh, unfortunately, police are investigating reports of racist abuse in this game directed at Barnsley players, but we shall move on. Huddersfield 2, Forest 1. Steve Mounier with his first goal of the season. Poor performance from Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Again, it's got to be said. They have really gone off the rails. Two points from their last five games. They've now dropped down to ninth. Justin, I'm thinking of getting off the Forest player bandwagon. Oh, it's sure? it's been it's been a good ride. If it's been I... a bumpy ride. It's been an, an enjoyable ride at the same time. But I'm thinking about it, alright. I haven't got off yet. I'm thinking about it. What were you gonna say? Well I'd say if I stay on it and you get off it then there's no way you're getting back on it. Hang on, I let you on out of the kindness of my heart oh, earlier in the season. And if you jump off, I'm ringmaster. You're gone. Bloody hell. I didn't realise that's the way we're going to play things. I might have to remember that in the future. Well, all right. Anyway, the playoff bandwagon. Not getting off just yet. And it's not just because of this bad run of form, because there's plenty of time to turn it around. But my main concern is how poor they are going forwards. Defensively, they're great. And yeah. one of the best in the league, without a doubt, mm. really. But they create so few chances. It is really hard to see them maintaining the pace with the rest of the top six. Mm no matter how inconsistent they are. Forest fans keep saying they just need another striker, no. but they don't. No. They need more creativity. Yeah, yeah. Because in terms of the underlying data, only four teams have a poor expected goals going forward. Mm-hmm. What they need is not an improvement on the strikers, it's those providing the chances. Absolutely. In so many departments, basically Amiobi, for me, not... It was a weird sign in the first place, Amiobi, really. Yeah. And he's not really known for creating hats full of chances. <laughs> um, Carvalho, Silva, way too inconsistent for me. Yeah, yeah. Lolly, not had his great season. Not had a great season so yeah. far. Something needs to be done. They need to bring in somebody to add to that attacking three yeah. behind Graben badly. Well, Otherwise, they're not getting in the playoffs this season. Simply no, I, I do agree. That's the only reason why I think Lamucci's on a bit under a bit of pressure is because... You know, you've got a player like Lewis Graben, who arguably one of the the, the best goal scorers that in the championship yeah. ever. You know, he's he's one of them players that's always scored goals wherever he's been. Even at Sunderland, when they went down that season, for the first half of the season, it was incredible for him. Season before, well, the first half of the season he played yeah. for him, yeah. it, it was incredible. Um, but Forrest he's a striker that needs chances. He can't create them on his own. He's not one of those ty- types. He needs chances. You know, I'm looking. I looked back at Forest defeats this season. Huddersfield, you know, yesterday Huddersfield had 42 percent possession. The four 0 defeat for Chef, uh, from Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday had 41 percent possession. Cardiff 30 percent. Hull 33 percent. Wigan 41 percent. There's a theme there. You know, teams that sit back and defend. Forest can't deal with it. No. And that tells me they need to do more going forward, which is the obvious. They need more creativity. They need more guile, and they need an impact player off the bench yeah absolutely uh, Huddersfield we'll talk about quickly because time is getting on a bit but massive result for Danny Cowley absolutely. it was one win in seven before this and they were not far off the relegation zone but there mm-hmm. is now six points between them and there and really that should end any fears of being in a relegation fight shouldn't it um, well who knows it's a championship but they definitely have one of the, the better squads down there you know it's a, they've beat one of the best away teams in the division Forest and you know Steve Mounier has come out of the the darkness pretty much with arguably a man of match display. 
you yeah. know others contributing other than Carlin Grant is, is is huge for them and I think getting Mounier back amongst the goals you know he's a player who's had a relatively good goal scoring record um, mm. apart from last season mm. you take you take last season out of it in the Premier League and mm. obviously first half of this season why are you humming? Mm. I'm not sure I agree with that He's played for so many Huddersfield fans will agree with that. Why not? Well. He, he, he scored quite a few at Montpellier. He scored seven in the season in the Premier League. While they were a very defensive team, so he's a good option to have in the Championship. He can be a very good player, yeah. and they've changed the system to play four four two. And mm-hmm. so playing Grant and Mounier up front could turn out to be a bit of a yeah. masterstroke by Cowley. So uh, QPR 2, Charlton 2, Naby Sarr getting a 95th minute equaliser. It's the derby between the two fan bases who don't like me very much. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, first off, I laughed very loudly at Naki Wells' miss. Which one? The, the miss. <laughs> uh, Charlton gave him the ball with a terrible back pass. One on one with the goalkeeper, all the time in the world, even as a teammate to his side, smashes it straight at the goalkeeper. Brilliant stuff. Love that. The question I had to you was Is that worse than an open goal miss? No, no. It depends what open goal miss. If you're talking Ronnie Rosenthal, then. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm talking ones that come at you quick and you've. You can't get your feet sorted and you, it comes off your heel and it goes out wide. I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe not the Chris Iwalumo <laughs> for Scotland. Maybe, yeah. Because they come at you quick, whereas Nucky Wells has had a hell of a long time to pick his yeah. spot. And, he's, and you, you'd expect better from him. He's an experienced yeah. championship striker and a very good goal scorer. Absolutely. Yeah. He's let himself down yeah, massively. Absolutely. This was a great game. Loads yeah. of chances <laughs> in it. Both sides feel like... Probably could have won it, really. Uh, Josh on Twitter says, uh, should have been out of sight in the first half. Poor finishing cost us the game. A point gained, as I'm trying to be positive, <laughs> says Josh. Uh, QPR need to strengthen that defence in January, don't know. Out of all the teams we've mentioned so far who need to strengthen in areas, QPR need to strengthen that defence. My God. I don't think there's a more obvious requirement for a club in this transfer window. F- four defenders, new goalkeeper... Maybe a holding midfielder. Maybe. Um, it's hard to disagree. Whether it's realistic or not, I don't know. Other than Ryan Manning, I like Ryan Manning. We, oh, Ryan we, Manning, we yeah, like Ryan yeah, Manning. We do like Ryan Manning. I forgot about him. So. Uh, Charlton, suffering from injuries so badly. Jonathan Lico limped off here. Lee Bowyer says they will bring in bodies in January. And that is all they need, isn't it? Just human beings who are relatively good at football because their squad is so thin yeah. at the moment. I wonder if they can get the physio on. Possibly. Might have to at this rate. Um, injuries has been. <laughs> I was just thinking, can they get Johnny Jackson out of retirement? Do you well, think? I, I also had the thought was everyone having to take a pair of shin pads and boots with them. Just get in Lee case. Bowie back on. Jackson and Bowie in the field. Oh, I'd love to see that. Who else have they got? Have they got anyone else in the backroom staff? I don't know. We need to investigate. Simon Royce, the uh, the goalkeeping coach. Oh, they don't need a keeper to be fair. Is Dean Kiley not there? Surely. He's a bit of a child. He was, at West, he was at West Brom a while back. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, injuries has been the main reason why they've slid down the table, hasn't it? Yeah. Without a win in 11, which is a shocking run, really. It mm. kind of goes under the radar how bad a run they've been on. That that start they had at the start of the season mm. has propped them up massively. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we were talking about that gap between the bottom four and the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. If anyone is going to slip into that bottom four relegation battle, it's Charlton, isn't it? Because... Their slide is alarming, uh, to say the least. But Lyle Taylor is back and got on the score sheet. We'll talk about him 
a little later though, Justin. Uh, Luton nil, Swansea one. Andre Ayew with a late winner, chesting it in from a yard out. Love that. He didn't miss it. Very Balotelli-esque. Balotelli, what? Because he did it ages ago, didn't he? He like, uh, shouldered it in. You need, to, you need some swagger to do that. Anyway, okay. Uh, Archer, uh, I've got a question for you. <coughs> Are Swansea a bit reliant on Andre Ayew? Well, I actually had this thought as well. Ooh, great minds. We're, we're very linked, Ryan. Mm. Um, I think they are. It was an it was an uh, an AU inspired uh, game for, again for Swansea. Not the first time this season. Exactly. You know, they I wouldn't say they relied on Baston quite a lot, but his goals have dried up. Their form has dipped. AU's come in, and there isn't many contributing for Swansea at the moment. No, they have had. He's had a hand in five of their last eight goals. Um, while Sam Surridge has looked good recently yes. since he's yeah, coming yeah, to the yeah. side. The rest of their attackers are not chipping in mm-hmm. at all. AU has scored or assisted 12 goals this season. 12, Justin. Yeah. Selina, Dyer, Routledge, Peterson and Kalulu have got seven in total. Mm. That's five players. Andre AU is contributing nearly twice as much as all of them. Well, that's, that's the thing Steve Cooper needs to address. Um... The, I mean, it's got to be said they're good players no they I mean, are Dyer yeah. is getting on a bit and so is Routledge but still good players mm-hmm. Selina needs to do a lot better I expected yeah. big things of him when he moved to Swansea uh, Peterson I, and Kalulu maybe need a bit of time adapting yeah. to, to the league Peterson I've not been impressed by at all no, I've got to no, say no. Uh, what were you going to say I was going to say um, Chalina as soon as you mentioned that I think he falls into that Tom Lawrence character, uh, category where They've got unbelievable ability, but they just don't do it enough. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say, if anything, that's a bit of a, a, a shot at Tom Lawrence because Tom Lawrence does it a lot more than Selena does. This season, Selena started the season on fire mm-hmm. recently. You'd forget he's in the yeah. squad, really. Anyway, let's not take anything away from a good win for Swansea. Yeah. Uh, Tim on Twitter says, the second half was some of the best football we've played all season. It's two straight wins for the Swans now. Mm. No, yeah, absolutely. It's good form. And, you know, they, as I say, they, they've been in and out of it um, probably since mid-October. They've they've struggled. Um, but to, to get the wins on the board is important because I worry for Swansea without AU. And January is coming up and AU's form has been ridiculous. And the wages is on. If a bid came in, I'd, I think Swansea will more or less take it it's an interesting one because when you initially said that I thought no because he, he is getting on a bit and he is on big wages it depends how much Swansea want for him I just, you know they're in a transition Swansea that, that's for definite they've got a lot a lot of good players coming through and I could I think definitely it, see him going abroad or something yeah, like that. yeah yeah you know if, and if, if a big came in for him that is reasonable it's just getting him off the wage bill I think that might sway their mind a bit. Possibly. It's not a bad shout whatsoever. Go on. Before we move on, another contentious decision in this game. Which one? George George Byers. He got booked for diving, but he definitely got clipped by the Luton defender. I haven't seen it again, but I did see it briefly. Talk us through it. Uh, so basically, George Byers collects a ball at a bit of pace, moves it beyond the defender, defender sticks his leg out, and George Byers goes over. Now, George Byers does have history of uh, simulation. You know, the old slap. Can you remember that? Yes. A couple of weeks ago. Yes. Um, maybe that was in the referee's mind. But again, the referee blew his whistle straight away. Booked George Byers for, for diving. I just, I 
not sure where the ref was coming from with that one. Okay. Luton. Defensively. So poor. So, so poor. They were lucky not to lose this yeah. game by more, really. Mm. Uh, and we look at Luton and every so often they put in a decent performance. Yeah. And But every so often isn't enough at the end of the day, is it? They're, they're going down. I have no doubts about that, I'm afraid. Wow. Um, wow. I have seen loads of Luton fans saying Graham Jones should be sacked. But I don't really see the point because I don't see who's coming in and doing a better job with this squad. You're doing your eyebrows at me, which I presume means you're thinking Nathan Jones. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, but I can't see anyone doing a better no. job with this squad because they sold the two best players in the summer, didn't reinvest the money back into the squad. Mm-hmm. The only player worth talking about in their team is Izzy Brown. And when he's not there, they're just so poor. And unless they do some brilliant business in January, they're going back to League One without a fight. Well, it's it, well eight defeats in ten in the last ten. I think I, I have a... A case of performance beer goggles with Luton. They they will win a game when I'll be like, they're gonna be fine. But eight defeats in ten is really really worrying. I'd say they're more likely to go down at the moment than Barnsley. Well, that's the other side. Other side of the coin is Barnsley picking up points now. And you know, as a as a Luton supporter, I'd I'd be very very worried hmm. because you know they've they've come so far from coming from the the, the conference up to the the championship in a very short space of time. And as you say, not to reinvest the money, or even just a little bit of the money in other areas of the pitch was that's that's done them over yeah. this season. Absolutely. Cardiff nil, Preston nil, a board draw at Saturday lunchtime. A Bluebirds path <coughs> on Twitter says, if I'd stayed at home and watched it on Sky, I'd have changed the channel. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, not, not a great game. However, I don't think a point is a bad result for either side. No, Preston yeah. fans were disagreeing with me when I said this on Twitter. But when you consider Preston's resurgence, then a draw is good for Cardiff. And then considering Preston's crap away form and Cardiff being all right at home, Mm -hmm. I think a draw is all right for them as well. It's a it's a clean sheet for both both teams. Teams that you know Cardiff are sniffing around the playoffs. Preston uh, dropped out a little bit. I know they got up to third last week with a win, but it's not a hard in a very congested you know playoff um, playoff places. So a good result, a nil nil. Is not bad, you know. There weren't very many clear cut chances. It was just your typical lunchtime game. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Cardiff trade next to nothing. Yeah, they were really, really poor. And Preston had a few half chances, but nothing that made me think, oh, they deserve to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be said, Cardiff are another team who could really do with some of their creative players stepping up a bit more because. They've relied a lot recently on Lee Tomlin's mm-hmm. magic yeah. when he produces it out of nowhere. But if he has an off day like he did here, mm-hmm. they're so blunt. They create, as I say, created next <coughs> to nothing in this game. Well, that's the frustrating thing with Cardiff is they've got some really good depth in wide areas. They've yeah. got some quality players in uh, wide players. And well, the, players, I wouldn't say quality players, players you'd expect to be doing better at the very least. Well, they've got. You're talking Mendes Lang and yeah, Murphy and, and Hoylet. And Hoylet. Who's been toilet this season? No, poor. Carry on. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's they, they, they've been pretty poor. I, I expected Murphy to kick on because he didn't have a bad season last season in the Premier League, but no. this season he's been very, very poor. Um, Mendes Lang hasn't hit the heights that he did at the start of his tenure at Cardiff, yeah. and um, Hoyle has been, as I said a minute ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, final points on this game. Preston haven't scored in open play away from home now since the 1st of October. That's a long time. That is a long time. That's, that's, yeah, that's a really long time. It's nearly um, three months. Got a, another thing that's gone a bit under the radar. Um, I mean, we know Preston's away form is shocking, but that is really, really poor, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Let's go to the game on Friday night. It was Middlesbrough 2, Stoke 1, Lewis Wing. His goal wrapped up the points for Borough. A big old six-pointer, but a massive <laughs> win for Jonathan Woodgate. Yes. Leaves him six points clear of the bottom three. And their recent form, can we say they're safe? Well, I don't know about that. Go on. Woodgate's very... Well, he's inexperienced. He showed that this season. Their squad is paper thin. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in January. Because I don't think they can afford to bring in too many players. No. It might be a case of they have to get rid of a few names off the book, but whether they're getting a few loan players, we'll have to well, wait and see. Yeah, that, that's been the, the speculation recently. Is obviously there's a lot surrounding Ayala at the moment because mm. he's out of contract. There's a there's a couple of players out of contract considering their financial fair play situation. I yeah. imagine they want to cash in on him as well. Exactly, which is um, not ideal. And in this game, they still played some younger players. I think if they came up against a team that were a bit more not Stoke <laughs> their the result or the outcome might have been a bit different mm. beautiful goal by Lewis Wing though yeah, very, very good goal very Steven Gerrard-esque that's what we expect from Lewis Wing yeah well we haven't seen it enough this season exactly and he, I think he knows that as well mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about Stoke as you say it was a very Stoke performance yes um, not the first time this season they've had a shed load of chances can't <clears> put <throat> the ball in the back of that well and yeah. if they had a competent striker where would they be in the league? Mm-hmm. It's a, well, exactly. You know, they've got Scott Hogan, who had one very good spell with Brentford. Mm. That's it. Sam Vokes is very good as a a number two striker. You know, he's good in a, a partnership. 10. Number nine, sorry. Yeah, he's good number nine, yeah. but he's always he's always played alongside someone. That's when Burnley have got the best out of him. Um, and Lee Gregory again, similar to to Sam Vokes, but not as prolific. You know, I thought he was a good signing, but. That's think he's he's been poor. But we did point out he actually hasn't got a very good goal record at this level. Um, We've said this before, but Stoke, Stoke's players, sometimes they really let themselves down. The goal, the Lewis Wing goal, obviously it's a beautiful goal, Mm -hmm. but I think it was Jordan Cousins in particular needs to be clipped around the ear because he's dived into Tavernier who set up the goal. And then his tracking back is embarrassing. He's just jogging back like it's nothing. Yeah. And it's not like there wasn't a dangerous attack on. Mm-hmm. Lewis Wing had so much space. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the game on Monday night. It's Blackburn v Wigan. I imagine a lot of our listeners will already know how this game has gone by the time they listen to this. <laughs> but surely it's a home win here. Surely. I can't. We've seen weird things. Blackburn, five wins in six. Wigan without a win in ten and three points away from home all season. Surely this is a home win. We've seen weird things now. Wigan not won in the road all season, have they? No, no. As I say, three points. And Blackburn have that have that in them to really, really stump us. I like. suppose it is kind of a derby, isn't it? And form goes out the window. I've, I've, I find it very hard to understand the derbies in Lancashire. Yeah, it's because they're so close together. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's not really a derby, is it? It's There's, just, Hills, rain and derbies all the time. (laughs) 
Let's go to the other news from the week. <clears throat> all City defender Angus MacDonald has been given the all clear following a battle with bowel cancer. He was diagnosed in August, but has now completed successful treatment. So congratulations to him. Uh, Lyle Taylor has turned down a contract offer from Charlton. We spoke about him earlier. Championship clubs licking their lips. <coughs> well, my reaction to you in the week was capital letters. Lyle Taylor's turned down a contract. Yeah. I was... I was I mean, harsh on Charlton. I was buzzing as a as a rival supporter. I'd be on that. Somebody has got to take a punt, haven't they? Well, they, they, you know, a lot, a lot of Charlton fans were f- relatively disheartened by that decision. That deci- uh, the contract offer came from the current ownership, which isn't the new ownership, is it? This is where it confused me. Yeah, it's all a bit murky. So but per- that's what people kept telling. Yeah, me. so perhaps the new ownership gets sorted out. A new, one, a new contract offer comes in and Lyle Taylor breaks every rival fan's hearts yeah. and ties a new deal with I was just thinking he'd be a really good signing for Stoke. But, moving on, The Telegraph says Michael O'Neill is under pressure to slash the Stoke's £50 million wage bill in January. Wow. Badu Endai is set to be the first to go. I'm not sure if he's actually gone yet, but he's off to Turkey. They spent £14 million on him. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about Badu Endai. No, apart from his... Bad. Spell at Stoke. Yes. Badu. And, yeah. A very Badu spell at Stoke. Forrest have been ordered to pay £3.6 million to former owner Faraz Al Hazari. That's 600 grand less than they were originally told to pay after the club appealed against a court order. Have they, has he given, given the trophy back yet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that relationship has turned very sour. It's kind of like a messy divorce really isn't it a very messy divorce yeah and finally a German shepherd has recovered from major surgery after eating three feet of tinsel eight-year-old Benji was taken for x-rays by his owner who says she was totally surprised he'd eaten the festive decorations vets say tinsel can cause severe damage to a pet's intestinal tract but Benji is healing well that's a lesson for Casper Keep the tinsel away from him. Keep the tinsel away, but the the vet with the most obvious news of the the century there. Tinsel is bad for your dog. What am I going to do with all this tinsel in the bowl then? (sighs) Let's do some polls, Justin, at the start of the episode. We asked you three questions. First of all, who is more important for their team? Pablo Hernandez at Leeds or Matias Pereira at West Brom? Who are you going for? Pereira. Pereira got 61%. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Well, he's been that good for West Brom. I mean, a compliment to West Brom or Leeds. I don't... Well, now you confuse me. You ruined my point. What was your point? I was going to say Leeds system over Hernandez wins. Okay. Okay. West Brom, probably more reliant reliant on individuals this season. Okay. Are Stoke going down? Yes. Yes. Ooh, yes, got 71%. At the moment, I cannot see anything else. The way they're playing, it's hard to see it because I expect Michael O'Neill to turn it around, but they just lack so much effort. It's hard to see anything differently at the mm-hmm. moment, isn't it? And it's kind of like the Sunderland situation a couple of seasons exactly. ago where yeah, we yeah. thought they'd turn it around eventually. And it doesn't do. look like it's happening at the moment. And finally, which of these is the best Christmas song? I picked two, you picked two. Uh, yes. I picked Last Christmas and Step Into Christmas by yes. Elton John. Very underrated Christmas song. <sighs> uh, you picked Stop the Calvary and Wonderful Christmas Time, the Paul McCartney song. They're two great songs. Uh, Last Christmas got 
Step Into Christmas got 21%. Stop the Calvary got 16%. Wonderful Christmas Time, 10%. I didn't know Wonderful Christmas Time was called Wonderful Christmas Time. So I'm not sure if people yeah, actually knew what song that was. Maybe. I think you've dubbed me again there. But... Possibly. Possibly. But it clearly shows I have got the better music taste. Let's go to the Craig Bryson pub quiz, Justin. <clears throat> I have picked a random championship legend with a minimum of 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. Six clues, Justin. Do you want your first one? Yes, but just before we move on to that, I had a mare last time. I shouted Tony Warner. You did. You're not going to make that mistake again. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Cool. I have 2,222 championship appearances. 2,200. 2,200. I have 20... I've done it again. I have 222 championship appearances, scoring nine goals. John Macken. (laughs) (laughs) It's not John Macken. I'll give you a little clue. I thought this was ridiculously low. I thought he would have scored a lot more. Okay. I made my league debut for Derby in 2009. League debut for Derby in 2009. I should know this. I should know this. I should know this. Now the pressure's on. 222 championship appearances. Nine goals. Mm. League debut for Derby in 2009. Next one. Yes. I've also played in the second tier. For Bolton, Leeds and Blackpool. Oh God, this is difficult. Bolton, Leeds and Blackpool. He started his career. He made his league debut for Derby in 2009. Mm. That's cluff years, that is. There's a lot of players passed through them. Oh man. Uh, Miles Addison. It's not Miles Addison. I've been involved in two playoff finals in 2010 and 2016. Keep in mind he made his league debut for Derby in 2009. 2016. 2010 and 2016. Yeah, no. 2016. So a year later he played in the playoff final. That was Norwich and Middlesbrough. What, in 2010? No, in 2015. 2016. Ah, move on, next clue. We've only got two left. I know. I've also had spells in the Premier League with... Palace and Villa. Jordan Much. No, it's not. I thought you got it then. I was breathing a sigh of relief. I have 27 caps for Scotland. This is your last clue, by the way. Ah, the silence is deafening in this. So he's played for Blackpool. You're going to hate me after I tell you who this is. Oh, man. Okay. Um, They're not all the clubs he's played for in the second tier. Okay. Way. But he, yeah, he tw- what? How many caps for Scotland? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Any goals? No. I don't have that down. Thanks. It mate. can't be many. Thanks. Sorry. I might have been there. <laughs> um. Oh, it, it, the league debut for Derby is the one that's stumping me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why you're going to hate me. Yeah, I probably, I probably will. You will. Jamie Keverley. Jamie Keverley. Sorry, it's horrendous. Unbelievable. Do you want it? Yes. Barry Bannon. (laughs) If I could take a picture of the face Justin has just pulled, 
it would be the new second tier logo. Nine goals. Nine goals, yeah. Really shocked. Is that me. counting yesterday? It was actually today. Today. No, it wasn't counting today. Well, thanks. Um the the standard of clues that you put out is absolutely Oh, because I got one goal off. He didn't get his international goals in there as well. That's a, Hang on. A ridiculously disgustingly low. A player who's made his league debut at Derby. Who do you support? How many years have you had I highlight, I highlighted this. A lot of players passed through Nigel Clough and his time at Derby. And he was a lone player. Mm. That was very clever. Thank you. But you missed that goal off. I'd have got that. Would you I would have. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening. Just before we go, can I make a request that you read the piece I did for the Football League World on the 10 championship players who could play for England one day. I'll tweet a link to it on our Twitter. That's at the Second Tier. You can follow us at the Second Tier on Twitter. Our Instagram is... At the Second Tier Pod. Is that right? I don't know. I... For God's sake... You're in charge of the Instagram. Just follow us on Instagram. Search us, you'll find us. Eventually. If the if the handle's right. <laughs> this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Follow us on all platforms. Maybe as a Christmas present, you might want to tell your friends about us or some fellow fans about how much you enjoy listening to us or don't enjoy listening to us. It's it's a free country. You know, all, all news is good news. Wait, that's wrong. Publicity. All publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Justin, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ryan. Listener, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, listener. <laughs> I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.